0: Welcome to League One Fun, presented by the Beautiful Game Network and brought to you by Roughneck Scarves. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. That voice you heard whispering was Jason. Jason, this is a crazy week. We're recording on Monday night because of how busy our social schedules are
1: listen we're we're busy people we're making it making it big in this world so appreciate <laughs> us while you got us because i'm selling out the moment i get a chance well one
0: thing that i have to say you've been writing some stuff for usl uh league com, which has been you know some really good stuff um Thank why don't you, you talk to us a little bit about your latest on uh, on some lansing players
1: yeah i have to get props you know we talk about uh midfielders who might not get their due justice getting on the score sheet or the stat sheet. And, uh, you know, Lansing, when you think of Lansing, you think of that press, you think of the high-powered offense, but all of that happens because of their midfield. So I definitely had to shout out uh, Serta and Gomez for them being probably the most dominant duo in a midfield all in the league, uh, both of them ranking in top five and pretty much or top three pretty much in all defensive categories. Uh, it's absolutely wild what they do. I uh, got to talk to uh, them, get some quotes from them, get some quotes from, you know, uh, Coach Nate Miller and, you know, let him, for him to talk about how important they are to the system. So, yeah, you should uh, check it out.
0: Great. Well, shall we s- get to some news? Let's do it. Okay. So, firstly, uh, your, the prior episode yeah, to this in your podcast. I'm not,
1: feed, I'm not the only one that's been doing some work. So Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Why don't you tell them what you've been doing?
0: Fair enough. So uh, the prior episode in your podcast feed is going to be my interviews with uh, some folks from North Texas, Breck Evans, who I think he might be... The only person ever to appear twice as a guest on our show. Uh, So I did a
1: close personal friend of the podcast. Okay,
0: exactly. Thank you, Breck. I appreciate that for being a friend of the pod. And also Eric Quill. We talked about uh, what it means to be the regular season champion and, um, you know, what their plans are going forward for the rest of the season and going into the playoffs. Um, So, you know, some pretty interesting conversations uh, with Coach Quill.
1: And a couple of uh, potential MLS talk, right?
0: yeah at least one player but you know several players who might wind up as homegrown players next year for FC Dallas so take a listen we uh you know you can probably check our our twitter feed to figure out who but you know unsurprised, you won't be overly surprised if you've ever listened yeah. to an episode of this podcast <laughs> <laughs> so um so Jason uh any information about Tim Hankinson and what's going on at Chattanooga they uh they they put him on leave for the rest of the year right they
1: They did. They announced that they put him on leave and never announced why. Uh, I reached out to the front office and they did not comment. Uh, What I did find out though, is so talking with a couple of Chattahooligans, they were saying that it wasn't anything due to sickness. Obviously, I didn't have a source, so I didn't know if I should believe it or not. And I was going to hold off on any kind of judgment until I heard something. And so I've been also hearing the same thing too, that it's not sickness. So it looks like there is trouble in paradise if Chattanooga is what you call paradise.
0: <laughs> Fair enough and you know they had a decent result over the weekend without him at the helm
1: but yeah uh, it's you know. it's it's a really weird timing right you know they're not out of the playoffs obviously they had a disappointing loss against Lansing last week or two weeks ago, whenever you listen to this, but that wasn't necessarily on Hankinson, right? That's more players losing con- their temper and losing control. I thought he went out there, pressed, caught Lansing off guard. Uh, I don't know. It's a it's a curious leave uh, for the coach, and so maybe we'll find out more in the future what's going on.
0: Yeah, you'd think it would be. They would have noted it was personal if it was like, if even if it wasn't him, if it was a family member or something like that. So yeah, we're really, really a strange situation. Um, So just a couple of other things going on around the league that I know of, Jason. Unless you have anything. So, firstly, uh, the independent team standings. So I've compiled a list of all of the six independent teams and matched them up and said if they went head to head, what would the table look like? Congratulations to Lansing Ignite, because this weekend with their draw, uh, they won the independent team standings, whatever that might be called at some point in the future. Perhaps if all these supporters groups get together, maybe they'll have some award yeah. for it,
1: especially um, when teams move down. I think that would be pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that would be definitely neat. Uh, the uh, uh, Chattanooga Red Wolves came in second. They cannot be caught by third place Greenville, who cannot be caught by fourth place uh, South Georgia Tormenta. So yeah. Um, Also, if you go Friday night to the Greenville Triumph, there's something that Jason really, really wants.
1: And listen, y'all name a price because they are giving out bobbleheads. I like collecting bobbleheads and uh, I need it. Right. And it's a it's a it's a U.S. legend. I will even say an icon. So I definitely need that bobblehead.
0: Bobblehead of John Harks
1: will be given out to the first two thousand
0: fans that go to the Greenville Triumph match on Friday night. So get out there. If you've never been to a match, if this is your first match, it's fan appreciation night. They're also having other giveaways and stuff. So make sure you get out there and support the Triumph because, you know, they're they're probably in the playoffs, particularly if they win this game. So if they win this game, they don't quite secure, I think, but it's gonna be darn close. Um, and and for all practical purposes, they will with a win on Friday night. Yeah um so shall we get to some results here let's do it so i have to admit i missed my eighth and ninth g- match this weekend i could not watch all the matches between coaching um a couple of soccer teams over the weekend i and, don't want to hear
1: these and excuses. the timing i, I have uh, some
0: hey i i'm sa- i have to save myself up I for the playoffs to, you know some of these games yeah. that just don't matter <laughs> i mean
1: Come on. Remember, I told you to have a life, okay? You need to be at <laughs> home on Friday nights like the rest of us. It wasn't even Toronto prime time. It was it was the south <laughs> eastern time zone.
0: <laughs> That's fair enough. So the, the first match was uh, Greenville Triumph on Friday night beat uh, the Toronto FC 2, three goals to one. Uh, goals in the 18th minute by Paul Chloes, uh, the 46th minute by Cameron Saul. Forty-eighth minute, uh, the uh, TFC gets one back. Franco Mingo uh, gets a pass from Petrasso and puts it away. And in the eighty-fourth minute, Carlos Gomez gets in a the- ball from Mohamed and uh, puts the game away.
1: No deflections. Greenville did it uh, without any kind of deflections. Uh, they continue in their offensive surge, and this time they did it all on their own. Yeah, it's
0: you know it's interesting since the since the injury to Jake Keegan, they I don't think they've lost the game. Um. So I mean, that's pretty interesting. You know, we we always thought in the beginning of the season, like, where are they going to get goals from? And now they can't stop scoring. Like, I, I'm not sure if Coach, you know, Coach Harks just as everyone, you know, completely. Um, you know, completely in tune or or what? And and they're not getting it from multiple places. So it's not just Gomez, you know, getting three lucky goals here, right? These were all good, well-worked goals.
1: And it might be a change of tactics, right? It might be, okay, we don't have our striker up top, so we need to get more midfielders involved and we need to play towards the middle more. And so that's where, if you look at this game, I'm pretty sure all of their goals pretty much came towards the top of the box, if not two or three for sure. So I think getting Aaron Walker higher up you know, getting those midfielders higher up, that's playing a part into it. Um, and we'll talk about with the first goal with uh, Klaus.
0: All right. Uh, so anyone you want to shout out here? Anyone who particularly caught your eye during this match?
1: Yeah, so I'll go through the goals since uh, somebody uh, was too busy for it. But uh, So like I was saying, getting the midfielders higher, um, you know, Greenville pressing up high, uh Evan Lee gets the ball in the box. I mean, he does an amazing job um, pretty much just boxing players out like a uh, like to Matumbo, like whoever your favorite center is. He did a great job. Uh, and it also gave him space, which then he leaves off for Klaus. Klaus then at the top of the box sends a rocket up into the upper corner beautiful goal and as coach harks noted on twitter it was great to see the whole team run up and hug him for his first goal Let you know that Greenville's really feeling it from the chemistry standpoint from you know their heart and their their aggression towards this so this is a team streaking at the right time going into the playoffs and for the second goal you see klaus was involved in that too but what i want to talk about was Klaus gets the ball, and it was, I believe, off of a turnover. So Greenville did a nice job of pretty much staying up high for most of this game against Toronto. And when Klaus gives his ball, you'll see Gomez act like he's going to get it and then decide to back out last minute, and it allows a through ball to uh, Saul, who then has the one-on-one, goes down, and then scores it. Um, Obviously, Saul being with the speed, beating his man. Uh, And it was a beautiful goal. But also, what I want to talk about too is Muhammad. What are you doing? Because Muhammad is on the side of Saul. You're talking
0: about Tariq Muhammad from uh, TFC too. Yeah, because Omar Muhammad features (laughs)
1: later. But uh, that man wasn't even power walking, right? I don't know what happened. So when that through ball happened, he could have ran and trailed Gomez, and he just didn't. And so Saul had the option of dishing it back to Gomez at the top of the box because nobody trailed after him. And this wasn't the only Toronto goal that was like that. So I don't know. I don't know if it's because it's the end of the year and they're pretty much. Math, I think before the game they were mathematically out the playoffs or just about. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going on, but that that was terrible defense from one of their better defenders.
0: Yeah, so what's happened to TF- TFC 2 the last three or four weeks? Do you think because they were they were always a team that was on the front foot. They mm-hmm. they kind of had a mid block or, or and, and occasionally high press. They always you know played pretty well in transition. But ha- have other teams figured them out because their lineup hasn't changed that much really. I mean, since Schaffelberg and Endo left the team to go up to the first team, they, their lineup has been pretty set, and they did okay over the summer. So they they've only fallen apart recently.
1: It's their defense. And even in this game, right, their offense had chances. There was a time in the second half to where I think the game was still 1-1 and Haruza or somebody had shot it and it went off the post, you know, after a great through ball. So they have their chances offensively, and I think they're still moving the ball. Okay, I think it's defensively they're just not set, they're not sound, and you can see it the most in that third goal, right? So Carlo, Carlos Gomez scores. After Muhammad takes it in, and it happens from a quick throw, right? So they quick throw to him. Muhammad then goes down the side. He takes two people with him, right? But then you look at Gomez who and Walker, right? Like I said, they're getting their midfielders high up. They ran literally 30 yards, and Toronto treated them like unvaccinated children <laughs> and went nowhere Around them and I don't get if it was just a bet like they don't know how to mark anymore There wasn't any communication, but I'm serious go back and you watch that goal It was 30 yards of running and nobody's even looking in their direction So when Muhammad gives it off to Gomez at the top of the box It could have went to either one of them and it would have been an easy goal because not only are they receiving at the top of the box Nobody's there to really close in on the shot. So I think it's a, just a lack of defense and a, a lack of communication I don't know, defensively, they've just fallen apart. Tariq Muhammad the past couple of games has not looked that great. I know Patrick Bunk Anderson had a deflection a game ago or two games ago, and he hasn't looked that great, even uh, getting twisted up by Orlando players. So, yeah, I, I think that's that's what we should be pointing to and saying what happened there, because up until maybe three-fourths way this season, you know, Toronto had pretty much one of the most solid back lines in the league.
0: Yeah, uh, d- they definitely did, and in this game, even offensively, just look at some of the stats. So, uh, you know, both teams had a little bit over four, four hundred passes. Um, both had about eighty percent passing accuracy. Um, you know, it's the, the shots were were significantly different. Obviously, Greenville was much more in the front foot this game, yeah. um, with fifteen shots compared to only six for uh, for TFC two. And uh, of those, uh, only two of the TFC two shots were on target, and one obviously the goal. So, yeah, um, yeah you know, and. And, you know, TFC2 had 24 clearances. Uh, you know, clearly they're not keeping the ball the way that they used to well, and,
1: and, and getting the ball forward. The, and props to Greenville, like I was saying, that was high up. They had seven interceptions and tackles won in Toronto's half. So that shows you how high up Greenville was going and how they went on the attack. And, yeah, you saw that throughout the game. Like you said, all those clearances. Greenville kind of just stayed up. They dominated down that right side. Um, and a, one thing that we pointed out about Greenville scoring, right, all their goals this game came from within the box. So no taking shots outside none of that desperation sh- stuff and that's also because like I said Toronto just didn't seem to want to mark anybody.
0: yep yeah. Fair enough. So with that Greenville uh, you know solidified their chances of making the playoffs. it looks likely that they will uh, this game knocked TFC2 out of the playoffs so their season is uh, is over from a uh, from a championship standpoint. Moving on to Saturday's first game, it was Chattanooga Red Wolves two versus Orlando City B, who scored one. It was a two to one match. It was no beedy. Zayed was an unused substitute in this one for Chattanooga. Um, goals in the thirty fourth minute by Sido uh, Sioni for Chattanooga. In the forty for in uh, the first half injury time from Leo Simos. he uh, tied things up. But in the fifty fourth
1: minute, I think Backrew did. Uh, is
0: that is that who? Yeah, yeah, I think we scored for Orlando. Uh, okay, uh, I might have gotten that one wrong. Oh, um, you're right. It is Seamus.
1: Yeah, I thought I thought it, it. I, I thought it was Seamus. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and then uh, Tony Walls scores in the 54th minute to to get the game winner. A couple of red cards in this for double yellows. Uh, later on, we can talk about those in a minute. Um, you know, for for my money, you know Chattanooga, you know they looked good. It, it unsurprisingly, I mean, uh, against OCB, which obviously leaks goals. Um, but this was, you know, your Kind of typical Chattanooga game where it could have been one nil, and you know they they kind of needed that other goal, um, but uh, you know Mangles and and Herrera, both goal contenders, I thought had very good outings. I mean they, yeah. uh, you know they both had some very acrobatic, very good saves. Um uh you know Hurst looks really looked really good to me. I think he mm-hmm. brings something to Chattanooga that they didn't have before he uh before he came in just the just a handful of games ago. Um he only had 21 passes but he won 6 out of 8 duels, created a couple of chances, had uh, had three shots and was kind of all over the midfield. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think he um you know he brings something else. So, your your thoughts on this game before
1: we go over the goals? Absolutely agree with with Hurst he also won five fouls which is important because it disrupts the flow of the game from the other team and then also Pineda I thought did a great job of kind of coming in and taking the place of BD and really being the offensive pivot and producing for them right he was the one that was setting up the pass which would then lead to a cross or he you know he had created two chances or three chances Um, I thought he did really well Um, but you know we talk about Hankinson you know he has a lead I kind of have some more bad news for Chattanooga, Ira. What's that? We talked about Beedy not being in this game. It looks like Beedy might not be in any other game for the rest of the year. So, according to the guys at Soccer Chat, Beedy is out for the rest of the season with a really? torn MCL.
0: Oh uh, no! Yeah. Well, that's that means they have to find something else. Hurst has to step it up, yeah. I guess. I mean, uh, and I
1: Pineda has to keep trying to supply those chances created because, yeah, they're going to have to do it without them.
0: Yeah, so, uh, so shall we talk about the goals? The first goal in the 34th minute, Cito Asione uh, scores from uh, P- Pineda got the assist. But Cito took a long-range shot from the top of the 18. It deflected off of Mendoza and went in near post. Um, you, you know, uh, Pineda did most of the work here. Um, yep. you know, th- I mean, I mean, Cito did a good job cutting back from the end line from the right-hand side and then got it onto his left foot. Um, yeah, you, you know, they were Chattanooga up to that point, I thought definitely had the better looks, um, the higher quality looks. It was one really, really good chance that OCB had that Mangles had to, uh, had to stop with a, a one-on-one, uh, early on in, in the half. But other than that, Chattanooga really was, uh, uh was the much better team. So Sioni got, got it. It takes the shot. It gets deflected, goes in near post. I think it was off Mendoza. Um, I, I think it was just unlucky. Mendoza yeah. stick- Suck a leg out, and yeah. you know that, that thing that happens in soccer, yeah, for sure. Forty-fifth um, minute, plus one. Leo Simas. So the ball came down the right-hand side. This was the one. It was really it, it was a, a, a three versus four. So yeah, you know OCB was definitely outnumbered. Um, you know Chattanooga just could not clear the ball, and it falls to Simas, who then makes a is is <laughs> back to goal. Turn makes a 90 degree turn and then another 90 degree turn and and no one like stepped in front of him and he was able to kind of dribble the ball I, in.
1: yeah i give give him a little more credit than that i thought he was giving his best joey g impression i thought <laughs> that uh he did a great job you can tell the first one he he cuts back and he cuts a little too much but he has so much space because the defenders aren't really closing in he's able to get back on the ball then he dribbles around three more play he dribbled around about four red wolves and then yeah. uh got to the center of the box and was able well, to finish it
0: it was really weird i don't know if if the if the red wolves players were worried about fouling him because
1: i think he, that's exactly what yeah, it was because
0: he because basically like no one wanted to step step to the ball and everyone was like leaving him there and he he had to kind of do that that little it wasn't even a pirouette he just had the ball at his feet and was always in front of him yeah. um and then yeah, you know i think I think Mangles thought that he was going to shoot far post and yeah. he wound up shooting near post. And because of that, Mangles was just off balance and couldn't get down.
1: Well, I, it was funny because I was just talking about on Twitter about how on those kind of shots, 8 out of 10 times the players are going to go not cross their body and this time is the 2 out of 10. <laughs> Seamus <laughs> said, "No, I'm going to I'm going to be a different and he definitely <laughs> went to cross his body to yeah. near post." Yeah.
0: Well, it was it was a good goal, but in the 54th minute Tony Walls scored. It was a po- poor clearance from a free kick. The free kick was from about 50 yards out and it was a service into the box. It was poorly poorly cleared by OCB.
1: Really yeah. poorly cleared. Can I talk about this? Can I rant about this for a little bit? be my guest. These kids are teenagers, right, for Orlando City B. So someone go get my belt because they need to get their ass whooped for this defending. This was absolute terrible defending. What is Orlando City doing? I want you to go back and watch this play, and I want you to watch. When the ball sent in, yeah, it's cleared out about six whole feet uh, to Soto after Pineda sends it in. And then when Soto gets it, he brings it to the side. There are three, and I'm going to post this on the League One Fun Twitter account. There are three Orlando players chilling at the top of the box, who aren't marking a soul, not a ghost, not a goblin, not a ghoul. There is nothing there for them to mark. And literally no one was in eight yards within, right? They're just chilling. It's three of them. So meanwhile, uh, Tony Walls and another Red Wolves player are chilling far post, talking about what they want to do after the game, where they're going to go eat, what's the best late-night spot in Chattanooga. So then, of course, when Soto sends in the cross... Tony Wallace has a wide open chance to, to finish it because there's nobody around him since three Orlando players want to be at the top of the box. Yeah. I, no, like we no talked about Orlando's best. defense being bad. That's all you need to see because yeah. that was atrocious. It, it, yeah, it
0: really was. And when you look at the clearance, there were actually three players that all attacked the ball. So there's clearly poor communication. Now, granted, I understand that these are kids and young players, but part God, of that, so part of that's coaching thing. too. I they're, mean, old
1: enough to, they're old enough to know defense better than that. That yeah. was just crazy. That, that defense was as bad as their social media accounts. It was just terrible. <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, fair enough. There were two red cards, as I mentioned, in this game. So the first one went to the goal scorer, Leo C- uh, Simas. Um, he got one one yellow in the 60-second for dissent. I don't know what he said or why he exactly dissented. There was, like, he didn't get one foul. It's like, okay, he must have said something bad. Um, but then, you know, he he winds up for his second foul, he... Um, he basically didn't play the ball and no. he was so he didn't play the ball against someone on the touchline It wasn't a particularly hard foul and maybe if you know Maybe it would not have been worthy of a yellow except that he was already on a yellow, right? So if you yeah. are you have to be calmer, right? You just have to
1: have your keep your head I thought I would have still gave him a yellow I thought his leg was kicked up high like a rocket at Radio City music hall I don't I didn't think that I didn't like the way he came in it's almost like he wanted to not play anymore, right? It kind of just like he knew he was coming in late. He knew he was coming in high. You could just tell. And even when he got the red card, he just kind of stared at the ref for a little bit and was like, okay, well, I'm going to go sit down now. It, it wasn't really any kind of fighting. It was, yeah, I, I just, I don't think he, uh, he cared at that point.
0: And then the 74th minute, Leo Fola gets a red card also for his second yellow. Um, his his He had a, actually a really hard foul in the first half that was definitely worthy of a yellow. In the second one, he goes up for a header. Um, and, you know, uh, how many times have you seen a, a defense a, a center back jump up higher than a forward or midfielder and head the ball away? Right. It happens all the time. But what's the thing that they don't do? They keep their hands either at their side or out to the right and left. They don't put it in front of him. Leo Fiola had the his arm in front of him, and he elbows uh, Bagrew in the head. Yep. That's a that yep. might have been a red card on its own, but it was definitely a yellow. So yep. you know that that one, uh, in in my view, there was no doubt. Um, so and
1: I think anyway. I think it could have been a frustration foul. It was a pretty chippy game. Thirty four fouls in this game. Um, yeah, you can't lead with your forearm. I agree with both of those red cards. I think the officials uh, did a good job with this one.
0: Yeah. So I, I would like just to to make two other quick points. So uh, so CC for Chattanooga was basically a non-factor. Uh, he was subbed off in the 66th minute. Um, so his replacement, Mare, had as many touches as as CC did in 24 minutes as CC did in 66. So just shows Yikes. you the difference in movement, the difference. <laughs> so
1: and, and maybe that's because he's usually a sub, right? So maybe it's yeah, one of those things true. where he's just he's better coming off the bench and providing a spark whereas when he starts the game, Chattanooga is more you know, in the beginning of the games, trying to hold possession, trying to build up. Maybe that's just not what he's meant to do offensively. Maybe he's meant to come in and, you know, take on people one-on-one and kind of, try to take on tired legs
0: yeah that's fair and uh just because i i happen to like like him when he's in form but luke granitor came in played 24 minutes but only had six touches and was a non-factor <laughs> anyway all right so a game that was really important and actually you know could have um you know had it gone differently it could have been a turnaround for uh, south georgia tormenta but uh, they went up to lansing michigan Played Lansing Ignite to a 1-1 draw. This was, might have been, this and, and also the Madison game, I think were my, well, granted I only watched three of these games, but this this and the Madison game, I thought, were equally as entertaining. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that went mm-hmm. on in both of these games that I think are worthy of uh, uh, of, of discussion. Um, the first goal happened in, in uh First half injury time. Nick Moon scores from uh, uh from a Koifik uh, assist, which was a great, uh, n- nice little chipped over ball that Nick Moon ran onto. Again, I still don't believe that Nick Moon is a defender. Um, yeah, hey, he's, y'all
1: he's told a- me Nick Moon is slow. He beat Arsenal one on like it was yeah, just a straight up one on one. They both took yep. off at the same time, and he just beat him straight up, and then had a beautiful well, cut inside. I never, I never said it,
0: I never said he was slow. I, I
1: don't know. Y'all keep saying that he was so, that slow. I think that man's a lot faster. I I think everyone else on that team is just so fast, and it makes them look slow. but <laughs> right. I, think Nick Moon, I think Nick Moon's got. Because you got M- M-
0: Moshe Bonney and 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 n four just can blow him blow yeah. him out of the water. But I, I I don't know. I think let's see. I think Connor Moonboot's
1: got some speed now. I want to give him give him credit for it. I
0: want I want to have some some. We need to have some races here. Like you know, at some point we need to have like you know we Devin need, Jamga yeah. and uh, and and four Antley. You know Nick Moon, maybe a couple other guys, and just we just yeah, need the right
1: can. incentive to get them to do it. Right. They're not yeah. going to just race the race we gotta yeah. as a fans we gotta come together and figure out what these players want more than anything so that we can set that up as a prize
0: yeah that would be good like a little preseason thing maybe if yeah. we get everyone together for, <laughs> for some kind of preseason until, in,
1: until yeah. somebody pulls their quad and, and uh we have coaches yelling <laughs> at us so
0: <laughs> well maybe not we'll, we'll make sure we have trainers there uh so anyway so that the uh the game then went into the 67th minute where um uh, where where Mikey Rowe uh, scores from, a, from Con- a Connor Antley assist. Um, I have to say, Connor Antley on this play, this is one of those classic Connor Antley mm-hmm. things, and one of the things that I absolutely love about him. So, d- just to go through this goal, and I know we're going a little out of order here, but Connor Antley makes an interior run just does a little one, two wall pass with Micheletto and he finds, he finds Mickey Rowe um, making a diagonal run in front of him. And, you know, Mickey Rowe has all kinds of time and space because three players go to step to Connor Antley and Antley just finds the seam in between them. And, and Rowe is left, uh, left wide open, able to take three touches before he just picks a corner and, and, uh, you know, passes it into the back of the net under Cleveland. Um, you know, uh, I mean, Connor Antley, you know, South Georgia Tormenta has not been doing well, but Connor Antley's still been playing great.
1: Yeah, I saw this play and I was like, yeah, yeah this is a guy who can play in MLS. I mean, when he, he starts that run from midfield exactly on the 50 yard line and takes it pretty much, you know, 40 yards uh one-on-one and then other defenders step up he's going by them he gives it off the ball comes right back to him right so it's a give and go to him and then after that give and go like you said he's already brought in three defenders so row is wide open and yeah just th- for his for him to be a defender and have that offensive ability it, he it's yeah it's a, like you said it's a classic antley move uh, assist whatever you want to call it it was it was beautiful
0: yeah, it was it was really good. So we had seven. Uh, he only won seven out of 14 duels, but he still created two other chances, plus had the assist, a couple of tackles, four clearances, a couple of interceptions. I mean, just, you know, solid night all around. And Koifik on the other side, who got the assist on Nick Moon's goal, he won seven of eight duels and he plus he won five aerial duels. And uh, created a chance, had the assist, like we said, but also had seven clearances. You know, they, they play slightly different positions, obviously, because Connor is a your more classic right back, whereas Koifik is, you know, the, the right center mid and a back three. But nonetheless, it's uh and, um, you know, the two the two of them really were were a joy to watch on on the night.
1: And two of the best passing defenders in the league. I think like we we don't we talk about Lansing, a lot of those. Offensive plays start from long balls. A lot of those are coming from Koyfik.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, his his distribution out of the back is is really good. And I, I I wholeheartedly agree. It's one of the things that that makes Lansing's press so effective, right? Because he's able to find someone who can hold it up. And then even if they lose it, their counter press at that point is very dangerous. And you think about some of the chances that were created. So there was one chance in the second half that I recall where uh, where Elma N4 almost scored. But it was yeah. basically that it was the ball goes goes up this up the uh, the right channel. I don't remember who held it. Up, it might have been Moshabane, but um, so the ball's held up. It winds up in the middle, and and Elma N four should have just should have put it away. Mm-hmm. Instead, it winds up getting popped up and, and goes over the goes over the bar. Um, but yeah, that 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 distribution is so important to what Lansing does. And if you don't have a, someone who's very accurate at those kind of passes, mm-hmm. it, it changes their whole system.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, You talk about that right side, Lansing had 10 key passes from that right side and only one from the left. So they obviously looked at tape or they saw that Phelps was injured, looked at the rotation, and they made a decision that they were going to attack that right side. And that's why you can see Nick Moon was so far up. When you look at the average positions, you can't even tell that he's a defender because he's so far up. But that's not
0: unusual. That's the thing.
1: (laughs) Right, because of the press. But what's on you, Lansing had five players, Whose average position was on Tormenta's side, which is which is a lot. When you look at average positioning charts, you'll right. usually see that those midfielders are right either in their own half, right behind the line, or right before it. I'm talking about five players who are maybe five yards away from the box of their opponent. Like it's it's wild how high up right. that tor- that these Lansing players right. were against Tormenta.
0: Yeah. Hara really kept south georgia in the game he, he had seven saves on the night he's uh fourth in usl league one right now for saves with 63 so you know definitely um and you know you think about the people who were in front of him in terms of saves and it's guys like akira fitzgerald who's in second and um you know who you know the basically the defensive teams that that you know really need uh their keeper mangles obviously is number one <laughs> so uh but Hara's not far away either
1: so, oh yeah, and, Lansing, 22 shots, nine on goal. So like you said, he he kept them in the game.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, even though South Georgia only had 10 chances, four of those were on target and pretty dangerous chances at that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, they weren't they weren't low quality chances a, at all. Nine hundred and thirty-seven passes in this game. So that's a lot, a lot of passes between the and, two teams.
1: And and listen, I saw Capital Combustion and Lansing fans kind of upset about this game and losing it and you know, crying over a point at home. And I went back and watched this game, and you know what? They kind of have a point. I think Lansing really had a chance to win this game multiple times, and they just couldn't do it. And when you even look, Nick Moon had probably more space in this game than he has all year because what Tormenta was doing was trying to clog that middle and win the ball in the middle, and he was left alone wide, which is why he was able to create those chances and score. And I just think that, yeah, you look at all those key passes that came in from the right side they had some very accurate crosses and some headers that just were missing right you had guys that had wide open headers that were just pointing over the bar hitting the crossbar I, I kind of agree with them now. I do think that Lansing dropped points in this game.
0: I, I, I agree with that. And I think Lansing, you know, they had more of the quality chances than South Georgia did. But in in fairness to South Georgia and also, you know, to the soccer gods, it's, you know, soccer is a weird sport where you could outplay another team and either lose or um, lose or draw. I mean, you know, you know, granted, I'm talking about nine year olds now. But, you know, my daughter's team had the ball in the other team's half, probably 80% of of the game the other day and they wind up losing by a goal right so i mean that that happens right you get beat on the counter or something like that it it, you know the the soccer gods sometimes just are not nice to you so anything else on this a very entertaining match
1: it's going to be interesting to see how the season ends and what happens with lansing right if they end up not getting home field in second and they come back to this game i think then it really does hurt
0: Well, we'll we'll talk about that because it's very likely that they'll come in second. Yeah. (laughs) um, Okay, so to a scoreless game out in the desert, Richmond Kickers flew out for the longest trip in all of USL League 1 in terms of travel. Oh my yeah, God. And, F- <laughs> and FC Tucson scored zero goals, as did the Richmond Kickers. Um, the most exciting thing in this particular game was the fact that you had three red cards. You had two double yellows and a straight red for dog. So for denial of a goal scoring opportunity, uh, excuse me, denial of an, of an obvious goal scoring opportunity. Yeah. Um, so, you know, th- this game statistically could not have been more similar except in terms of shots. Um, Tucson had 21 shots to Richmond's nine yeah. and, uh, there were five on target. So Akira Fitzgerald had four saves, um, and, uh, and only three on target for Richmond, um, Richmond had 32 clearances. Talk about them hoofing the ball up, uh, Jason, they were just hoofing the ball up. Um, you know, I, I, I have to admit, I only watched portions of this game. I watched about the last, the last thirty-five minutes because I, I wanted to see say, all the red you,
1: cards. But. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't miss anything. It's, it's weird. It's like, for for what this game, this game was an important game. It was you know? massively
0: like, important, especially for Tucson, because yeah, for, I mean Richmond had a very outside chance, right? But, but at, Tucson at the had the same, a realistic.
1: But at the same time, it was their last chance, right? If Richmond wins that game then they're pretty much jumping Tucson. They're knocking Tucson out of it. And now you just kind of look, I mean, look what happened. You know, Chattanooga's losing Beatty. You know, Tormento only got a draw on the road. You're at least giving yourself a chance, right? It's It's one of those things I just didn't see any kind of aggression or any kind of just pressure from Richmond at all, right? Where was the press? Where was them attacking? There was just no kind of just hurrying, right? It was just... They give it to the Y guys and have them try to make something happen one-on-one and i just i didn't understand offensively what they were doing
0: do, do you think they were, were worried about getting beat on the counter because let's face it that's where two sonic sells right so that's if they're trying point. to be worried about uh, worried about getting beat on the counter that means you wind up you know playing a little bit further back and trying to work the ball up but you know it ends up being that um the The problem with doing that, of course, is that you get lower quality chances. You have to, you know, shoot outside the box or you don't actually get any shots. I mean, they did have, um, you know, they, they, they even only crossed the ball six times, right? So Richmond didn't even have the ball in the offensive third that much.
1: And that's the thing. It's just, uh, it's that's what I'm saying. I don't know what the plan was. Was it a buildup, right, to where they slowly get the team to start getting upfield based off of the give-and-go passes? Or I, I, I just didn't get what was really... Going on and defensively, I think Richmond has shown, especially the past couple of games, that they're okay defensively to where they can send up Lockaby or they can send up you know the midfielders, and they have a back line that you know could essentially stop counters or could at least slow them down. I just didn't really understand the game plan and and the guys at River City 93 they they agree with me too they they are a little harder on Richmond than I am right now I, I do think that this game still could have been Richmond you know they could have scored a goal and on a counter they could have scored a goal you know that only needed one but yeah I I we, what we agree on is I don't know what the offensive plan was
0: so very quickly want to talk about the uh want to talk about the um, The red cards, so there was a double yellow in the 74th minute for Kyle Venter. So um I I don't want to call him necessarily a friend of the show, but he's been on our show before. Um Kyle had his had his hand out, and um you you know, you have your hand out and you push someone in the back and you're gonna get a yellow for that. And yeah, that's a hundred percent. That that was a
1: that was it. Did Botan Um, go down easy? Sure, but yeah, you feel a hand on his shoulder from behind, yep. And so when (laughs) it happens, of course you're gonna go down. So it's like Kyle. We know you're a friend of the, of the podcast. You didn't listen last week. I told you, you can't put your hand on shoulders. You can't.
0: Uh, then Shinovsky for Richmond gets a uh, red card in the 84th minute, a straight red for, for denial of goal scoring opportunity. It was definitely the right call. He was Mm -hmm. the last man didn't get the ball, you know, uh, you know, it was a trip, right? It was a regular everyday tripping foul. And, you know, had it not, had it been at midfield instead of where it was, it might not have even been a yellow card. Um, but it was, the fact is he was the last man. It was, You know, had it been actually, ironically, two yards further toward goal, it would have been a yellow card instead of a red because but it would have also resulted in a penalty kick. Um, So that's why it's a red card when it's outside the box. Um, and then Akwe gets a set, his second yellow. I had no idea what he did
1: yeah, um, he, in the 87th less,
0: minute. It did not happen on camera. So. Yeah,
1: he definitely said something to the ref. and You think that's she, what it was she, just saying? And she did not like it, yeah. So <laughs> she sent his butt home because I don't know what he said. I don't know if it was a horrible pickup line, but he should not have said <laughs> what he said because <laughs> they sent his ass home. <laughs>
0: So uh, so yeah so it ends nine versus uh, ten on the pitch but uh, you know Tucson did not even with the uh, the injury time was not able to uh, was not able to to get one although I have to say in the eighty fourth in the ninety fourth minute four minutes into injury time they had the ball right in front of oh, yeah. the goal and they should have scored and it should have been you know basically a walk off home run kind mm-hmm. of thing but um, they just did not. Finish it. It was just not clinical. I don't I, remember who missed it, but
1: it, I, I do. But I'm not going to call him out because oh, okay. he's he's been playing well. Uh, and it was just yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a, his greatest moment. But mm-hmm. I'm a I'm gonna give him a break. But yeah, it was. I think Tucson had a couple chances like that. This yeah. is a game where if I'm a Tucson fan, I'm extremely frustrated. I'm home. We're playing up a man, and we've had chance after chance. You know, props to Fitzgerald, who, man of the match, you know, was keeping everything out, but all those shots from Tucson came from outside of the box, right? And granted, they were great shots, they did have power, but still, it was no real, real pressure on Fitzgerald, right? It was just making sure you had clean saves. Like, you go back and you look at that Lansing Tormenta game, you know, Hara had a spill or two, but, you know, Fitzgerald did a great job of making sure when he caught it, it was secure, and when he punched it, he punched in the places to where it was safe. So, you know, props to him. But yeah, Tucson, I just I you know, if I'm a Tucson fan, I'm a, I'm a little disappointed because that's a game that they definitely could have won and should have won.
0: Fair enough. Shall we move on to the final game of the weekend?
1: Yes. And the one that might have been the most impactful
0: uh, this was not only impactful, but it was probably the most entertaining match of the weekend for for my money. Um, so you had Forward Madison, who was able to score. Actually, I can't say that. Forward <laughs> Madison, who they didn't even get a goal. So <laughs> who got was awarded an own goal uh, versus North Texas SC. Um, this could be. One of the semifinal matchups. And in fact, it looks like, given the results, it very likely will. Um, After this game, my my son was watching the whole pregame show on ESPN+. And we were watching this all live and, you know, looking at the flock end and all this stuff. And my son has become a forward Madison fan. So... He might become the New Jersey Mingo's, and uh, you know maybe we'll we'll get him that. T-
1: that I'd Twitter be shocked if there's not already one of them because I, I swear <laughs> every day I see another city Mingo. Even in uh, the Maldives, apparently, there's a there's a major fan base out there.
0: <laughs> wow, so. that's crazy. All right, so uh, so yeah, he was pretty pretty impressed by this uh, modestly rotated lineup for uh, for North Texas. So you know, even though I had spoken, as I said, to Eric Quill, he said, you know, we are trying to win. Um, there were a few of the the bench players who uh, um, who who got starts. so Zobeck was in goal instead of Aviles. Mm-hmm. David Rodriguez got a start. He had been coming off the bench the last uh, handful of matches. Jada was on the bench, although he hadn't been playing that well, quite frankly recently, so uh, no. yeah. Um, and also uh, Romero also and uh, that's that's because the they're
1: bed. playing him out of position, but we'll we'll talk about that another day
0: okay fair enough uh so the the sole goal came in the 24th minute where jorge uh jorge uh Algamor, uh got an own goal it was off a there was a corner wasn't quite cleared came back to the end line i didn't see who actually put it back into the box oh, it, it was it was turbo
1: time baby it was connor uh, tobin okay so yeah and he put uh, that in with pace which is why and i i i like when players do that because that's when you do get own goals that's when you do get deflections and you know, Danny Tenorio was right there to, you know, hit the ball and just redirect it into the net. Right. So it was, it was a great cross in from uh, Turbo. So,
0: uh, yeah, you get the ball into the corridor of uncertainty, right? That's why it's called that. <laughs> you just get it in there and good things can happen. Uh, so, unsurprisingly, you know, North Texas had 64% possession, so they trash that right there. North Texas had a lot of the ball.
1: Possession um, do not matter, bro. It don't. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, so in, in this match, you know, you, you had other stats were even, like the important stats, like shots, for example, 14 to 12, both had two shots on target. North Texas could have had a goal or two. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like Silvestre w- didn't have to do 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 anything. In fact, it was a great shot from Arturo Rodriguez in the first half that could have tied it up.
1: Um, and Silvestre was was able to player yep. The second best player of the game. He saved two goals that should have been goals pretty much.
0: Yeah, I mean both. Yeah, both of the their North Texas shots on target had very high xG. Uh, that, that's that's for you, Weston.
1: Um,
0: you know, 540 passes for North Texas, only 298 for Madison. But it didn't matter. The Madison didn't want the ball. Uh, they just wanted to keep the ball in front of them. Um, Arturo Rodriguez, 52 passes with 89% passing accuracy. Um, only won eight of the seventeen duels. So good on the midfield for uh, for forward uh, to really limiting Arturo to
1: to only five chances created. <laughs> Lost <laughs> which, the ball four times in the match, which I think is the highest all season for him.
0: Wow, yeah, that sounds like it might be, or or yeah. maybe. Tied I,
1: I was going through, and then I ran out of time because work actually made me do work today, but. Yeah, I think that was the most that he's lost the ball this year.
0: Yeah, uh, he did have four tackles in the midfield, which is you know for him that that's kind of par for the course. And uh, he did actually try and cross the ball five times, but only uh, but only connected on one. Um, Eric Leonard, I have to say something. Again, a number, talking about a number six, Eric Leonard had a very quietly good night. Didn't show up much on the score sheet, but rewatch this game and watch Eric Leonard and what he does in the midfield. The reason why Arturo Rodriguez couldn't get the ball to anybody in the middle was because of Eric Leonard. And just watch him. He just, like, hangs out with with Rayo and David Rodriguez and doesn't let the ball get to them. And you wonder why North Texas didn't score? Well, they couldn't get the ball to some of their dangerous players, right?
1: And and shout out to... Uh, To Christian Diaz though right so Eric Leonard was told hey you're not going to get much into any of the offense We're going to let our backs overlap which they do a lot with Manley and Diaz and boy did Diaz do it all 25 duels he was in won 17 of them which was the most in the game five tackles won the most in the game Four interceptions 12 recoveries and completed six dribbles so you can see how much he had the ball Which was the most in the game and he's quietly been an amazing player for four, right? We talk about their offense. We talk about Turbo. You know, Christian Diaz is top five in tackles and interceptions in all the league. He's in especially this later half of the year. The second half, he's probably been one of, if not their best defender.
0: So we're now looking at if this match were if this is a match. Well, we actually have a question about it. So, maybe, why don't we why, why don't we wait for the question for this okay. one? Because this was a, a really interesting matchup, uh, primarily because it could wind up being one of the semifinals. And um, yep. the way it looks, it very well may be.
1: And they're, um, they're a two to two for head to head this season. Yep. So, they both, you That's know, right. North Texas won twice at home, Ford won twice at home. And shout out to Ford, though, they were the first team to stop Danzo. You know, he, he had one on one situation, he embarrassed a player or two, but for the most part, they they stopped them. You know how they did that. How did they do it? They fouled him. He was the most, yep. most fouled player in the game. But hey, <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: I mean, after after the form Dando's been danso has been in, you know, creating goals. I mean, you know, yeah, it's not, not a not a huge surprise Listen, that he would have been,
1: been. If I'm one on one with him, I'm not gonna let him embarrass me in front of my family and my friends. <laughs> but the, the last home game of the season, you know, that 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 atmosphere. Nah, I'm going to foul you, and this is going to be what it is. <laughs>
0: All right, fair enough. So the, the standings at the uh, after this particular match. We know that North Texas has already won the regular season. Lansing can get up to 49 points and they currently have 46. Greenville can get up to 49 points and currently have 40 uh, because they have a couple of games in hand. Um, So, so Lansing basically only needs, um, you know, needs three points the way that it all works out because wins is the first tie break. Lansing needs to win one of their, final two matches and oh no they only have, no, one, they have, match, only right? have no, one match never mind they only have one yep. match yeah so they it's, need to win to guarantee it or for Greenville to which, drop points which right? I love
1: yeah, I'm, yeah. And I'm hoping Greenville it comes down to that last game right because then you have Ford who come you know that Lansing I know Ford's coming into town to get that rivalry going Ford's going to be probably trying to play maybe to potentially sneak into the third spot I would love I would love that
0: well, it's coming close. So uh, so if Greenville, that's right, Lansing is off this weekend. and yeah. uh, and that, that that's right. So if Greenville wins this weekend, they'll only be okay. um they'll only be three points off of uh, off of Lansing. yep, yeah. uh, forward Madison on thirty nine points, they can get up to forty five. Chattanooga on thirty six points can get up to forty two. So basically for Madison to make the playoffs, they need three points out of their next six, and they they will beat Chattanooga. They will they will come in fourth.
1: And uh, so, and so we talk about their schedule. They got to go to the Tucson, and then they got to go to Lansing. That Tucson versus Ford game is officially the most important game this week because it has implications for Ford and Tucson in the playoffs. Tucson has to win. And Ford needs these points to really try to solidify their playoff spot. Yep.
0: So so why don't we do that? Why don't we talk a little bit about this week's matches? Because um, you're probably listening to this Tuesday. And if you are, then at 10 o'clock at night Eastern time is FC Tucson versus the Greenville Triumph. This is uh, Greenville's game in hand, basically, uh, around all, all the other teams. Um, they, you know, they kick off at 10 o'clock at night Eastern time, like I said. Basically you know, an amazingly important game for Tucson, because if they want to have any shot at catching Madison, they need to basically win out, um, Greenville, you know, for Greenville to win this, then this means that they have a, you know, an excellent possibility of coming in second, as you Mm -hmm. mentioned. So, so that should be, you know, a must, a must see match for, for, you know, I guess I'm going to watch it on Wednesday. Um, Friday you have three matches Toronto FC 2 versus South Georgia Tormenta at what time Jason
1: Prime time 4 p.m baby <laughs>
0: Um <laughs> this match quite frankly you know it means something to South Georgia it doesn't mean anything for TFC 2 um I mean South Georgia again it ha- they have an outside shot they can get up to 40 points so um so the thing is like you know they they're they're actually out right No no it, yeah no, Ford, So forward so forward g- Loses so if Ford loses two. out and South Georgia wins their next their next two games, then they make it. So they're not mathematically eliminated, but they're effectively eliminated. I mean
1: and um, their last game is against who Ira?
0: Greenville. Greenville, love yeah. It.
1: <laughs> love it. <laughs> there you go. Listen, it might come down decision day because yeah. you know, Ford has a tough tough next couple games. And then, you know, South Georgia has a little easier schedule going against uh, Toronto. So it comes down to that last game. I'm, I'm so excited.
0: <laughs> uh, Greenville goes up to, or, or excuse me, Greenville hosts Orlando City B at 7 p.m. Um, you know, if Greenville doesn't drop a couple of goals on OCB, I would be pretty surprised, especially the way they're playing. Uh, fc tucson then hosts forward madison um so again you know three two games in three days for for fc tucson um for madison like you said this is an important game if they want to try to move up the standings if they want to have any shot at moving up it's also important for basically for everyone i mean if fc tucson uh, even if they don't win, they could be the spoiler for everyone else, right? Uh-huh. So if they don't want if they don't want to see some pink a- anywhere at the uh, in the playoffs, Tucson has to win that match. And then on Saturday at seven p.m., you have Chattanooga Red Wolves host the Richmond Kickers. Obviously, an ama- immensely important match for Chattanooga, and uh, you know Richmond. You know, will they st- try to come back and and you know, get something done?
1: Hey they need to I mean they need to give the fans some kind of hope and you know potential next year being a better year. Maybe this is a good time for Bilo to kind of play around. He's obviously not going to have two of his three center backs uh, that he normally has back there. So I guess you know, he's going to guys... have to they don't
0: they don't have a lot of center backs in the oh, roster. No. So I guess I'm... Brandon Troyer is going to have to play yep, in the center Troyer's back going to go
1: back and then, which I don't knows, love that. I, I nobody should Uh, Axie
0: Rodriguez I guess is playing the six again And playing the center center defensive mid Yeah so Yeah Richmond is definitely going to Be an interesting lineup there
1: One thing about that uh, Tucson-Madison game though uh, Madison needs to win that game Or at least draw Because if they Don't and then it comes down To the last game of the season And they have to go to Lansing They haven't beaten Lansing this year yep. I don't want to I don't want to go to my rival that I have not beat to try to solidify my playoff hope I don't
0: well I'm sure they'll do their best out in the desert so yep. and Saturday Chattanooga Richmond we talked about that so fan questions only one question that I've seen if you see another one Jason please feel free to jump in but uh, David Magnus the floor mingo, he asks when two teams play at the end of the season and then meet in the playoffs, do you think this gives either team an advantage? Jason. Yes. Okay. Was, so let's, so, so we'll, we have a prime example, the Forward-Madison-North uh, Texas match,
1: right? Yes. So here's the thing. I think the most important thing going... The biggest difference in the playoffs, right, for teams is coaching. So I think that's who it's important for, right? The issue is... I kind of think it balances it out right because because you you both have tape on each other you just played on each other so you're going to be predicting what each other's going to do right so i think it's the coach that decides you know what instead of predicting what they're going to do i'm going to come up with a tactic to where i think is our best chance regardless of what they're going to do or regardless of you know if they plan on trying to stop us from what we've done last game so i don't think it's necessarily an advantage i think It all comes down to who has the better coaching and who has the better tactic.
0: I I agree. I I think a lot of it's coaching. What I would say for this particular match, like you know, so what's Coach Quill's goal here is to say, you know, why didn't we put one or two away against Madison? What can we change to make that work for us, right? And on the other side, uh, um, you you know, the for for Madison, they're going to need to be able to say, okay, what did we do well in this game? Who, and also, who do we expect to be in there, right? Because right. you know, you didn't have Ronaldo Damas, you didn't have Jada, right? At least not at the start, right? So, what happens when we have those other players who we didn't see in this match? And you know, how do we make sure that we stop them? So it's not only watching this tape, but but others too. So yeah. I think and, I I think in a way, in a way, if you're Coach Quill, you were kind of coy here, right? Because mm-hmm. you you played a few other extra players, you didn't give Madison a look and fi- try to figure them out yet, at least not on the field. So they're going to have to do some guessing without yes. seeing you live.
1: So I coach sure got to go out guns blazing. You got to go out <laughs> pressing, catch North Texas. They're going to think you guys are going to sit back like you did. Nah, come out guns blazing, put one <laughs> up early.
0: <laughs> well, you know, if you, if you, if you watch how Greenville and, and Lansing did it, right, that's exactly how they did it. And if you're, if you're North Texas, you have to be ready for that and go and try and, and, uh, you know, pass around the press. I mean, quite frankly, forward Madison, they pressed at certain times in this game too, against, uh, <laughs> north texas this week so it wasn't it wasn't consistent pressure but um, but there were definitely times that you could see that there was there was some trigger for them to uh to press forward
1: and they should definitely uh go back and watch that north texas set piece i'm trying to tell you that's that's where you take advantage of them
0: yeah Brett evan disagrees with you he thinks that he, you know it, when you he said you know you take the whole sample set of the whole year and they seem to be pretty good on set pieces I, but, but
1: in the in the words of uh, janet jackson what have you done for me lately <laughs> <laughs>
0: fair enough Jason anything else you want to talk about tonight
1: uh team of the week Do you have a couple of players you think you should be on there
0: uh it's, yeah so team of the week yeah I think I think Hurst you know for sure um obviously you know I think um you know some of the goal scorers obviously will make it obviously Antley and Moon uh mm-hmm. and and um uh uh Koifik um I think all those guys that you know, basically, most of the people we mentioned. I didn't, I can't say I didn't watch all the matches, so I would be a little bit reluctant to talk about any of the games I didn't see. Yeah, I mean yeah. Eric Leonard.
1: I think I think Carlos uh, Gomez played a fantastic game for the second week. In Carlos a row Gomez and well. like
0: Chris, Christian Diaz, you had too, yeah. right, so yeah. you would put him on the list. So yeah. hey, we actually have a back line a little bit.
1: Yeah, so, see?
0: <laughs> there we go. Okay, Jason, where can people connect with you?
1: You can find me at Home Sweet Soccer, and then uh, you can also find me in the DMs with some prices if you're going to pick up that bobblehead. Just let me know what, how much. Let me know get, what the price
0: is. Get Jason that John Harks bobblehead. <laughs> I can be found at Ira Jersey on Twitter and connect with the show at League One. That's League and the number one fun. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and check out BGN.FM for all the other great soccer podcasts and written content covering just about everything in U.S. soccer. In fact, I've now gotten into a show about uh, women's soccer in the U.S. called The Mix Zone. And, you know, I recommend uh, recommend that that show quite a lot. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of Major League Soccer, United Soccer Leagues, and U.S. Soccer. Get your custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And of course, hashtag support local soccer. Jason, have a great week, man.
1: Let me go get my belt so I can whip these Orlando City kids up for this defense. They should be ashamed themselves.